Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. Hello, everyone. I'm Kevin Cruz. Welcome to the LeadX Show, where we're helping you to stand out and to get ahead as a leader. And if you're the kind of person who always says thank you, then I hope you'll take one minute to leave a rating and review for the LeadX Show on iTunes or wherever you like to listen. And if you don't know how to do that in your own app or on iTunes, you can always point your browser to leadx.org forward slash subscribe, and that's going to bounce you to the right page where you can just click some stars and write a one-sentence review if you like. This is the single best way we can find new listeners over the long term and build the LeadX family. Today on the show, I talked to a brother from another mother. He's a fellow Philadelphian, and before the interview, we mind-melded on the Sixers and the Eagles and book publishing strategy, but on air, we sync up and discover that we have a lot of other things in common, including our fixation on commitment and gratitude and so much more. We're going to start with a quote of the day. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. That comes from Wayne Dyer, all about perspective. Our guest today has been a lifelong serial entrepreneur. He's founded numerous for-profit and nonprofit organizations. He's currently the founder and CEO of Holman International, a global leadership consultancy, and his new book is Lead the Way, Inside-Out Leadership Principles for Business Owners and Leaders. Our guest is Rob Holman. Rob, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Kevin. Joy to be on it. I'm looking forward to the conversations. So. Yeah, we're going to have some fun and we're going to talk about your new book in just a minute. But as you know, I've got a tradition on the LeadX podcast where I always start with the same first question because I think failures are stepping stones. I say no win or lose. It's just win or learn. So tell me about one of your best failures. Yeah. Well, Kevin, I've never failed once ever. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I don't know. You have the wrong guest on. No, I've failed numerous times. Uh, not afraid to admit that. And I can't help but think of a time where I was in my mid-20s as an entrepreneur, and I, it became much more about things than people. Mm. And people kept on dropping by my office. At the time, I was the president and CEO of a, of a basketball clothing company based out of Philadelphia area. And you know, I had a lot to get done, a lot of responsibilities on the sales end, vision casting end. Uh, we had employees with, that are family members. We had employees that were non-family members. So you can imagine some of the even drama at times that they existed. So I had to get things done. And I only had a certain amount of hours during the day to get things done. But I'll never forget, people kept on dropping by my office, whether they were employees, whether they were you know, just friends in the area, and they had obvious needs. And they would always come by, hey, is Rob around? And my executive assistant at the time, which between me and you and your entire audience was my mom, <laughs> because it was a family business, a real official name of you know, the executive assistant. But in light of that, so there was one particular time where a friend of mine dropped by and said to my mom at the front, uh, the, you know, as soon as he entered in the office or the, the main office area, there's Rob around today. And again, you know, she's like, well, uh, you know, so in any event, I, my door would not shut properly. And it was one of those that like, it just wouldn't shut properly. I had not gotten it fixed or whatever. So he comes in and he's looking for me. Rob, Rob, are you here? And he knows me well enough to, to, to walk around the office looking for me. And I kid you not, I was in the middle of doing something quite serious, a lot of responsibility, had to cross some T's, dot some I's. 
and I hid behind my office door that was open about just a little bit of a gap just so he could never find me. Rob, Rob. And he starts entering in. I'm literally on my tiptoes behind the door so he could never find me. And just in the deepest part of who I was, I just felt like this little nudge, just like, now look at yourself. Look at what it's come to. You put things before people. Kevin, that was a huge wake-up call for me. And I was like, I don't want to be one of those people. And you're hearing from a guy, I love people. I always support <laughs> people. I'm enthusiastic. I'm a cheerleader of people. But even with people that are extroverts and love people, and da, da, it can become about things more than people. From that point forward, I said, no more. You know, I'm going to go out of my way to serve people, to listen to people. And, you know, obviously you got to set boundaries and you got to get things done. But I wanted to make sure to keep people first. And it's amazing out of that time, what began to happen? You know, I, my hours would be multiplied You know, I'd spend time with people listening to some of their problems and just that active listening. That's so critical in today's day and age in any business culture and in life. And when I started to do that, it just so happened that Stuff that would normally take me six hours to do, I'd be able to get done in about an hour or two mm. uh, by putting people first. So I learned from that failure. It was a true wake-up call for me to never allow that to happen again. I still need little mini wake-up calls along sure. the way, but I got the major lesson in that. Well, Rob, let me ask you because this is something that I like a difference of opinions on the show to talk some things out. And so I often, from my productivity, with my productivity hat on, will, will counsel people, I say, close your open door policy. And it's not about pushing people out always. I, you know, I say we, we have to stop being managers of tasks and we need to start being leaders of people. And yet I feel that the door is always open does interfere with our deep work that does sometimes have to get done. So what do you think about that? Yeah, great point. There's definitely a balance in it. There's no doubt about it. I love where you're coming from because at the end of the day, I think in order to be an effective leader of people, it really starts with leading ourselves first. Right. And in that, I think we need to understand even the discipline of good boundary setting. You know, boundary setting is just crucial. So many times leaders are saying yes way too much. And now, it, now keeping in mind what I just shared, my, my big wake-up call was I need to put people first. So keeping that in mind as maybe a foundation, I think with leading yourself first and creating boundaries, we need to understand what our true priorities are in any given season. Yeah, that's a great way. It starts there, right, with the priorities. It does. And so many people, so many leaders just don't know what their priorities are. So they're saying yes to even things that would be almost like obligations or you know opportunities or whatever the case may be. They're just saying yes to everything because their heart's in the right place. They want to help people. They want to they be about big things. They want to see momentum. They want to see enhancement. But out of what place? So I've learned when we truly understand what our priorities are, now we can begin to sift through those requests that are going to come our way. Because let, let's be honest, leaders are only going to have demand on their time, resources, and energy. That's not going to go anywhere. As a matter of fact, that's only going to increase in time. Right, so great. it's our management of it that means everything. Now, this is great. We, we've actually jumped into some of these topics I want to explore more deeply. But again, your new book is Lead the Way, Inside Out Leadership Principles for Business Owners and Leaders. So let's just sort of start, like, what is the big idea of your book? So, Kevin, what you're very well aware of, which you're a pioneer in this space, is the uh, a lot of workers and a lot of leaders are disengaged doing what they do. And so, and I'll, I'll spell out disengagement as a lack of meaningful purpose and passion in what they do in their professional life, what they put their hands and feet to, nine to five, so to speak. 
And you know, I love the Deloitte University Press uh, statistics back in, I think, 2014, where it says that nearly 90% of employees or team members are disengaged from their work. Mm-hmm. And not to mention nearly 80% are the leaders of those people. So there's a major problem at hand here. And leaders obviously know that there's a problem, so they're throwing money and they're, they're trying. They're trying different things to try to solve that glaring problem. But what they're throwing at it, I don't think is as effective as it could be. And they're throwing out what I consider outside in stuff, outside in, like outside techniques and strategies that are a bit more motivational, trying to get into the heart and the mind of the worker. What I have over the years developed was more of an inside out approach, which is more of getting into the, starting at getting into the heart and the mind of the worker, understanding who they are, why they exist, et cetera, so that they're compelled to be about uh, maximizing their performance and enhancing the company, et cetera. So the, the main premise in the book is to see that lack of engagement, that engagement gap really close, helping people truly understand why they personally exist on the planet. So they can maximize their passion and their purpose personally and see that infused into the workplace and what they do, you know, as a team member, an employee, and as a leader. Now, here's the thing, though. If you want to understand why you personally exist, that sounds great. It's a question people consciously or subconsciously asking all the time. But the book is about if you want to understand why you exist – understand who you are uniquely as an individual first, and that'll lead you down the path of understanding why you exist. So let me come back to that, who you are first, but I want to ask a follow-up on, with organizations, as you say, they throw a lot of resources at the engagement problem. Most of it doesn't work. Are you suggesting that managers or HR departments should serve in the role and, and, and can serve in the role of sort of the guru to help employees work from the inside out, or is that not their role? And this, you're sort of suggesting that each of us as an individual has to do this for ourselves. I think it's both and. I I would encourage leaders to lead the way in that way. And I think, you know, a lot of HR directors and leaders that I come across that I get a chance to serve and influence, they're doing a great job oftentimes with professional development. There's a track Mm. for professional development. Sometimes where the missing gap is that personal development piece and then bridging the gap into the professional development. So in a sense, is that personal development meets or marries the professional development with a, in, a, in a pretty seamless way. So a lot of times people think of things in categories. Well, I got to work on this personal development, and then when I get done that, then I'm going to work on the professional development. And people seem to, well, I'm a little ahead of the game if I have that. But when you start to marry both, and, and what I always say is, in the Eastern way of thinking, I do a lot of work in the Middle East and serve leaders and train up leaders in the Middle East, And I love it because I love the West and I love the East. In the East, we can learn a lot from Eastern leaders. They think of things very holistically. In a sense, our lives and what we do every day, it's like a wheel with many spokes. Mm -hmm. See, in the West, we tend to think things more categorical in nature. We're greatly influenced by Greek way of thinking, which is not bad. Mm -hmm. It just is more in categories, file folders, more black and white kind of thinking. So I, I love to encourage people to say, what would it look like to think more holistically, to marry personal development and professional development? And if an HR leader, manager, or director can lead the way in that, as well as kind of seeing the employee, the team member themselves awakened in that and embrace that way of thinking and that way of living, I mean, that's where great things really begin to happen. Yeah, and Rob, you just gave me a gift because, you know, something that I've been asked for over and over again for probably 30 years now, I will get 
questions from, say, directors of training in big companies, and they'll say, help us. We don't know what to do with our most senior you know, leaders, senior salespeople. We want to retain them, and we know yeah. by challenging them and helping them to grow, that will help with their engagement. But they've already checked the box on every training program we've got. They've been here for 25 years. What are we going to do? And I'm always thinking, what else can they learn for professional development? I think, have you done business acumen yet? You know, like I, I go in that direction. Yeah. And yet the answer is actually, they probably haven't checked too many boxes on personal development. And to That's facilitate right. that, you can yeah. continue because look, that never ends, right? There's no end of curriculum for personal development. And that's really going to be my go-to suggestion, you know, moving forward. Yeah. And, and I think too, Kevin, great point. And I, I think when we begin to tap into the individual, the person with what lights them up, what matters, truly matters the most to them, we're tapping into the very essence of who they are and what they were created to, who they were created to be and what they're created to do. In the midst of that then, because we know it's very popular to come up with a business mission, business culture and stuff like that. And you can, you can rally people, have shared vision times, and it's exciting. But I've just, I've just recognized if you want a vibrant and long-term sustainable culture and company, tapping into the individuals and the team members as a foundation and then seeing that infuse, it just makes all the difference. But I think too, I want to touch on this very briefly. I think that with many leaders, they don't know that line. And I just want to be really honest. The line of like, I don't, is it really my role or can I actually get fired or can I get right. reprimanded if I, if I dive more into someone's personal life? Right. And I understand there's lines there and you don't want to, you don't want to turn business meetings and team building meetings and employee meetings into full-fledged counseling sessions. Right, right. So I, I understand, I get that. But the first time that I meet anyone and I, you know, I want to lay a foundation. I want to get to know the individual, you know, how are they wired? What makes them tick? What are the things that they're most passionate about in life? What have been their milestones in life, the good, the bad, the ugly, they've gotten them to where they are today. So I know who I'm working with. I know who I'm there to serve. And then, you know, moving forward, I want to I want to build on that. I want to develop at the end of the day, I want to develop authentic relationships mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, when we have authentic relationships, that's the place where trust is built and fosters. And we know if we don't have trust, we don't have anything. That's right. That's right. Now, let me get back to you. Say that, you know, it starts with in terms of inside out leadership with with understanding. You said, you know, who you are yourself. That's where it all begins. So this is self-awareness. Where do we how do we begin that journey? How do we make yeah. progress there? Yeah, there, there's five key areas for me in helping you discover, rediscover kind of who you are that leads into why you exist and seeing that infused in the workplace. Number one is and these are very practical things, Kevin. You know, the first is, do you know your personal core values? The, the things that you stand firm in, strong convictions of the heart, as I like to call them. These are uh, things that matter the most to you, that you're actually making decisions out of these places all day long, but may not fully realize it until you actually begin to have awareness of those things. Second area is your top strengths. You know, of course, I love Tom Rath and the Gallup poll and, you know, the strengths finder, you know, the, the natural talents, the things that come very easy to you. They're not as much work, hard work. They, it's pretty seamless. There's a lot of positive fruit that comes from it. What are those top strengths for you? Third, what are the top passion areas that you have in your life? And these are things that literally have you leaping out of bed in the morning, which to accomplish or to do. You know, they're different for everyone. They could be work-related. They could be more hobby or pleasure-related, whatever it is. But what are the things that literally, you could talk about these things or engage in these things all day long 
and maybe you've been doing them for years, but it'd be like every time you talk about them, maybe for the first time with a unique individual, it'd be like the first time you're actually speaking about it. Yeah. Now, I don't know if other people are going to be as excited with you, you know, hearing it, but for you, you're excited about it. The fourth area, which I think is a biggie, is what are your top life milestones? And I touched on this just a couple moments ago. And these are the things, uh, good, highly challenging, or somewhere in the middle, that have helped shape you to become the person you are today. And, you know, it could be the divorce of a family member, you know, mom or dad. It could be the birth of your first child. It could be, you know, your first job, your first entrepreneurial uh, paycheck, whatever it is. But, you know, no matter if it's really great, a great blessing or a, a huge trial or tribulation, these are the things that, you know, at that time, that season, it's like a stake was put in the ground. Mm. Maybe you didn't fully realize it, but you knew you kind of would never be the same again. And I think that, that that that's really a big deal for people, and it really lets you in. It's it's about kind of owning your own story, and in that process, helping others begin to own their stories as well. And then the fifth and final area is what's the primary gift you've been given? And I understand like gift, there could be some crossover strengths and and passions and stuff, but you know a gift isn't as much meant for you. It's meant uh, for other people to be impacted and influenced by. For instance, like are you just uh, a gifted encourager? Are you a really compassionate person? Are you just a gifted leader? In a sense, when you understand your primary gifting, these are an area or areas that you could begin coming alongside of other people and where they can kind of unwrap you, so to speak. And uh, it's a legacy you leave behind upon the earth when you're no longer here anymore that has the potential to affect future generations. And so for me, I'll give you an example. I'm like, a, you know, people have told me this over the years. I'm a natural, like that encourager. Mm-hmm. And, you know, encouragement isn't merely making people feel good about themselves. That can be an aspect of it. But Kevin, it's more or less like helping instill courage in people when they're down and out, like looking into their eyes, be like, when you don't think you can, I know you can. So let's do it together. And that's uh, pretty powerful. So there's like five you know, five areas, very practically speaking, when you take a closer look at those, it really helps affirm and encourage who you are. And then it leads into the next appropriate question. All right, why am I actually here? Yeah, so so much great stuff. And I'm glad, and I'll just remind listeners that not only do we have this great podcast, but this, you know, becomes an article that goes out onto the, the website. And I encourage people to kind of like print out, you know, these lessons and to refresh their memory. And then of course, buy your book to go deep into each of these. And just a couple of, you know, you saw me jotting all kinds of notes on this because it was very, very triggering. And I love that, you know, as an encourager, you know, sort of giving people courage. I never thought about that aspect of the word itself. And it was only in the last few years, so I'm 50 years old. And I, you know, as every year goes by, Rob, I'm shocked at at how little I know. <laughs> the older I get, the less I know. You and me both. <laughs> For decades, you know, I, I'm my nature is to be more of a logical, you know, type A introvert type person. And so in terms of my personal mission and what I thought I should be doing, it was often to to help others, very practically yeah. speaking. So my work was very practical. Here's a tool, here's the answer, here's a technique. And it was after my productivity book came out several years ago that I started getting all these emails and social media comments that surprised me saying, I finally have hope that I can get it all done. Or I was on the verge of a nervous breakdown and I have hope that I, they started saying hope. And I'm thinking, I'm not a hope guy. Like what? I'm a hardcore, you know, none of this motivational, soft, warm, fuzzy stuff. I'm the hardcore answer guy. 
And yeah. I real like it took me so long to understand that without first having hope and courage, you don't pick up the tool and use it. You don't get out of bed yeah. and and start. You need both. And I literally changed. I'm looking off camera here, but you know, I added that word. You know, my my mission to provide life changing hope and help because without yeah. that first encouragement, without that courage, people won't take the next step. No, they won't. And, and it, what you're speaking about, which I love, there's always a balance. It's always, many times it's not a either or, it's a both and. Right. And for any healthy foundation, personally, professionally, it's like we need foundations. And what are those foundations? I think you're talking about one. It's like when we can have a foundation that we stand on, filled with just hope and courage, now you, you have tools for the tool belt right. that'll help you live that out more consistently and intentionally so there can be long-term sustainability. Right. And it's like, I always like to say, it's like two sides of the same coin. It's like vibrancy and long-term sustainability. Some people in some companies, they have all the passion and the heart and the inspiration and the courage, but there's no long-term sustainability right. because there's no structure. There's no things that are going to facilitate that enhancement, that momentum, that, that growth. You really need both. Yeah. And it's like any healthy foundation, they're, uh, they're to be built upon. Yeah, and so right. I love what you brought out, Kevin. I think it's a great point. The, the other thing, Rob, you, you said something that was really pure gold. Again, I, I realized it late in life myself. And you said it really, really quickly. And it's the, the number one facet you talked about, which is core values. And you said it's your values. It, it's how you're making decisions, even if you're not realizing it. And yeah. This, I feel, so this is really an underlining for all the listeners, the importance of core values. I think a lot of people think values, it's like, oh, it's that squishy stuff again. I'm supposed to know my values. I'm supposed to be a nice person and I'm helpful and all that. Core values are very practical. They can be very yeah. practical because they drive decision-making. And a friend of mine, uh, Dr. Jack Clover, he's one of the leading decision analysts in the world. Mm. He was in U.S. Army officer, then senior executive at Johnson & Johnson. And now he's paid big money by organizations yeah. who are trying to make a big decision. And they bring him and his company in to help them go through that. And so yeah. one day I just asked him over a cup of coffee. I'm like, Jack, okay, you're a guru at making decisions. Like, how do you make decisions? Like, break it down for yeah. a regular person. And he says, it comes down to being clear on what are your values? What do you value? Yeah. And thinking it through. And then are there ways to, to accommodate them? And, and this is very wow. practical. My daughter, yeah. Natalie, she's 17. She's receiving the college acceptance letters. And she's got a tough choice. And she's like, dad, we're gonna have to sit down. I'm not really sure. It's not clear. And already yeah. in my mind, the first thing I'm going to tell her to do is, all right, you know, what, what do you value most out of your you know, future college experience? Let's make so sure you're good. clear on that. Is it living in a big city or is it a really good film program? And it might be yeah. both, but then let's rack yeah. and stack and see how we do it. So if you can't, yeah. Anybody out there, if you're ever stuck on a decision, a big life change you may need some courage to make, stay in your job, take a new job, do whatever it is. If you're fuzzy on it, it means you're fuzzy yeah. on your values and you need to think those through. Could not agree more. And uh, man, you're getting me going now, Kevin. I mean, I, <laughs> well, honestly, because you're, just, you know, you're speaking my language and yeah, if you guys haven't thought I'm, I'm passionate enough already, just wait. No, I, and here's the thing about values as well. Not only do we need to have awareness of them, what they are for us, we need to help other people have awareness of what ours are as well and understand theirs. And I say that to say, for instance, one of my top core values is commitment. I'm a very committed person. Now, 
I could make a strong argument. Everyone should be as committed as Rob. <laughs> but how's that work for me if I <laughs> put those expectations on other people? Now, I need to understand, I need to clearly define what commitment means to me, what that looks like for me, and help my wife, help my kids understand that, help my coworkers, help my team members understand that, and the clients they have an opportunity to serve. So there can be, there can be an understanding and, and honor and appreciation in the midst of them because all because someone's top core values is a commitment doesn't mean they're not a committed person. Right. And I think we'd all see a whole list of core values be like, check, 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 check. Like right. I want all these to be, these are all right. my core values. But I think if we're honest, there's some that come a little bit more to the forefront than others. Right. And again, when we begin to own them ourselves and also help other people understand our heart behind that as well, it, now that gives way to healthy communication good conflict resolution right. can come out of that, uh, which is just huge. Absolutely huge. Okay. So yeah. I'm going to geek out even further on this because <laughs> one of my top values for a long time has been commitment. And in fact, in my companies, but to your point, I didn't realize that, that this was happening, but I had so communicated my value of commitment that my team members <laughs> used to call it the C word. <laughs> So, because I would often, they would say like, oh, I'll have that report on Friday. And, and, I, and then I would yeah. say, you think you'll have the report on Friday or you're committed to having the report on Friday. Ah, and yeah. just by, you know, they knew what that meant. And so behind my back, I found they'd be like, well, did he use the C word? <laughs> it was like a dirty word, I, the way I would use it so much. So right. we both value that commitment. But for the sake of time, let me ask you about this because it's another really important practice for me is all about gratitude. And in fact, in <laughs> my Philadelphia condo, the only piece of original artwork I own is uh, a piece by Peter Tunney. And it's uh, this crazy word, gratitude, with two Ts, and it stands for attitude of gratitude. Love and you write about this. You know, core conviction is to develop an attitude of gratitude. So tell me more about that. Okay. First of all, yes. First of all, we need to realize we're swimming against the, uh, swimming upstream on this one. Mm-hmm. In our culture, and really worldly culture as well, but I'll say in American culture, people are much more negative than they even realize. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we give we have one day of the year where we actually dedicate to a day of thanks. It's called Thanksgiving, kind of. You know? It doesn't take long around the kitchen or the dining room table to all of a sudden hear a relative. I'm sure it's none of our listeners are, are the ones <laughs> that initiate not. these conversations, of course. But it, it to all of a sudden to go from this thankful heart into just more negative bent of conversation of right. the things that are happening that are wrong or gossip or all these different things that lead us into a place of getting really frustrated, angry and stuff like that. And I'll state a point by saying this. I was taking a walk with a couple of my kids uh, a few years ago and we were just taking a beautiful day, Kevin. I'm talking like, you know, for those that don't know, I live in the Phil greater Philadelphia area, Pennsylvania. That's where Kevin and I are, you know, <laughs> both Philadelphians. We, we, we love the Eagles. Yeah. So in any event, taking a great walk, beautiful day, sun's out, clear blue skies. And I come across a couple of individuals and I pass by them. I say, isn't today a beautiful day? And almost their immediate response was, yeah, but in a couple of days, it's going to, the rain's coming. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my, can we just give that? And sadly in our culture, in businesses, it's a lot more, becomes a lot more about the problems the frustrations surrounding the problems, the heartache, the disappointments, the trials, the tribulations, the bend of negativity is all around us all the time. So what we have to do is we need to realize that. We need to have awareness of that. And in order to counteract that, what I do is I start every day 
You know, the temptation's there for all of us. I'm not saying it's a bad temptation necessarily, but to all of a sudden, as soon as we wake up, to turn on the news, read the newspaper, check social media, check the voicemails, check the emails, and then now we're caught in this stream, this current of negativity, because a lot of it is negative in nature. I've just decided I don't want my culture, my world to dictate any day for me. I wanna take my day by the horns, and I wanna wanna take good control of my day by setting the tone with gratitude. So every day as I wake up, I start in bed, as soon as my eyes open up, what are the things most specifically that I am grateful for in my life? I work my way down downstairs, grab a cup of coffee, I continue that. Some mornings it's 10 minutes, and some mornings it's an hour. And my whole family, it's one of our values is gratitude in our family. We're all committed to that before we turn on the TV, before we even start school. And some days are demanding so that the, the leash could be a little shorter. Other days, there's more flexibility. But nonetheless, we start every day with giving intentional thanks. It's huge. I, I love that practice. And again, it, it's phenomenal. I mean, and I find if I'm ever stressed, I also begin my day with a gratitude practice. And yet if I'm having one of those days and it's two o'clock in the afternoon and I'm just starting to feel it and getting, whether that's angry or anxious or whatever that is, I drop back into that gratitude practice. Right. And sometimes sometimes it only takes a minute. <laughs> other times it might take 20 to kind of get back right. to that uh, perspective. Yeah. But it's yeah. it really is a life changing life changing practice. So. Yeah, and if you if you begin to be intentional and consistent with that, it's like any good discipline. When you're intentional and consistent with that discipline, if you stay with it long enough, it becomes a lifestyle you live. And out of that out of that place, I know leaders, business leaders, that it's it's become such a personal practice, and really that's led into a personal lifestyle, that now in the workplace they start meetings with a time of gratitude. They're not diving into problems. I know some companies I've encouraged to actually have a wall of gratitude. And each employee has a different color sticky note. And every day, as soon as they come in, they have five things. They get five blue sticky notes. And here's the big wall of gratitude. Every week's a new wall. And they just start filling it in. So every employee for the five days has 25 sticky notes in their color of the things they're grateful for each of the five work days. And can you imagine, depending on the amount of employees that come in, that's the first thing they do. So you can be creative with it in your personal life, but also professional life. And it just breathes life into not just your personal life, but professional life too. And you can have a lot of fun. I love that idea. And I'm going to steal it shamelessly and share it everywhere I go. Yep, good. So Rob, how can our listeners find out more about you and lead the way, your new book? Two great resources. One is my personal website, which is robholman.com, R-O-B-B. And people were always like, two Bs? What is some like rebellious thing? You added a B like in your teenage years. I'm like, no, my mom and the doctor came up with it. <laughs> so it's robholman.com. And another great resource for my book would be leadthewaybook.com. Perfect. And we will put those URLs in the show notes and of course, the articles. Rob, it's been awesome. I'm sure we will be geeking out on this again in the future. And thanks so much for coming on to the LeadX show. Kevin, it's been a joy and an honor. And I love the work you're doing. And uh, I look forward to the next time. Thanks. LeadX family, that wraps up another episode filled with leadership advice. But before I go, I hope you remember that at LeadX, we're on a mission to give free leadership training and professional development to everyone, anywhere, at any time. Visit leadx.org to check out our free course of the day and our weekly live webinars. And for your friends and colleagues who are managers, they lead people, let them know that they can get over 30 best-in-class management training courses on demand 
at their own pace at leadx.org for a ridiculously low investment of $7 per month. This is our public beta pre-launch pricing, and that quadruples really soon. Check out the LeadX Academy at leadx.org. And if you're the kind of person who always says thank you, then please take one minute, it's actually less than a minute, and go leave a rating for the LeadX show on iTunes. Just go to leadx.org forward slash subscribe, and it's gonna bounce you to the right page on iTunes. You can just click some stars, maybe click that subscribe button, and if you have 20 more seconds, you could write a one-sentence review of the show. It's the single best way for us to build our family. And of course, because leadership is influence and we are leading all of the time, it's a question of, are you leading in a positive direction or a negative direction? I implore you to be mindful with your influence, to be mindful with your leadership. How will you lead today? 